Hey, Moving Forward listeners, I'd like to take a quick minute to tell you about my new books. If you've been following the podcast, you'll know that I helped bring my dad's business into the 21st century with Poshmark. I've documented everything we've done so you can start a business right from your closet or expand an existing business with an effective e-commerce solution, even if you don't have a large marketing budget or social media following. The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses is now available in paperback and for Kindle. You can also find the Poshmark Journal for Individuals and Small Businesses with worksheets to help you manage your inventory and negotiate effectively and confidently on the platform. Both titles are available on Amazon, where you can find quick access links at bemovingforward.com or in my link tree, which is in the show notes for today's episode. Start learning and moving forward today. Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 392, continuing on with the summer movie series. And if you haven't already, do check out last week's episode 391, where I kicked it off with Top Gun Maverick. The movie is phenomenal, and I share three reasons why I think it's not only a great film, but a great sequel. And that movie continues to break all sorts of records. Just this week, it surpassed the domestic box office for Titanic, and it is now in the top seven highest grossing films of all time. But beyond that, it is just a phenomenal film, and it's one that I do recommend. Go see on the big screen while it's out. It's still playing in theaters. In fact, they just announced that it's going to be re-released on IMAX, I think, pretty soon. So you can check that out, find that out information out on the web. So... Anyway, we're going to continue on today, and today we're actually going to do a double feature. I'm going to cover two films today within the same genre, and both of these are legal thrillers from the 1990s, and they're movies that I've really enjoyed over the years. I both as, uh, They both came out, I think, during the summertime. I know at least one of them did at the beginning of the summer. I'm not sure about the second. So I'm going to be covering The Firm from 1993, which incidentally also stars Tom Cruise, from, uh, as we talked about Top Gun last week, and 1997's The Rainmaker. Now, I'm not sure when The Rainmaker came out. I think it was either the summer or the fall, but I remember first seeing it uh, during the summer. So I, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it later when it came out on DVD and it was around the summertime. So I associate both films with the summer. They're both legal thrillers. They're both based on books by John Grisham and they both capture an era of genre that we don't see as much these days. The legal thriller in the 1990s into the early 2000s was one of the biggest that you saw across film and television. And it, there was a time where there were so many shows and movies based on legal dramas. And in particular, John Grisham was one of the most prolific and best-selling authors and popular authors of the time. I'm not sure exactly why we don't see as many legal thrillers. Of course, you still have uh, series like the Law and Order series, and and I know that there's a revival or a reimagining of the Lincoln Lawyer, which uh, a friend just told me about. But you don't see as many legal thrillers. I think medical dramas are still popular, and you have uh, obviously a lot of fantasy genres when it comes to television and film. And superhero movies, are, of course, are always 
uh, always box office uh, juggernauts. But legal thrillers, for some reason, you don't see as many of them, or at least I feel like you don't see as many of them on the big screen. Now, there are plenty of uh, small screen adaptations and, and shows, but not so much on the big screen. But during the 90s, this was one of the most popular genres. And I remember, I actually saw The Firm. I was graduating high school and uh, getting ready to go to college. And I remember I went to see The Firm opening night. I was pretty excited about it because I had read the novel and uh, I I really was looking forward to seeing the big screen adaptation. I remember uh, going to see it opening night and so many of my classmates from high school were there. So I think everyone else was excited to see that movie too. So The Firm, we're going to start with that one. Uh, stars Tom Cruise, Gene Triplehorn, Gene Hackman, Holly Hunter, Ed Harris, David Strathairn, Strathairn, I think it's Strathairn, and it's got an amazing supporting cast, including the late great Paul Sorvino, who just recently passed, the late Joe Vitarelli, and just an incredible array of character actors. You have Hall, Hall Holbrook, Jerry Hardin, Jerry Weintraub, who Incidentally, he was not an actor. He was actually a, a very prominent film producer of, believe it or not, The Karate Kid and movies like Ocean's Eleven and the sequel. So really, really interesting to see Jerry Weintraub in a small role in this film. Uh, you have Gary Busey and early roles for Tobin Bell and Dean Norris. Tobin Bell would would go on to star in the Saw franchise, and Dean Norris is... Uh, has been in a lot of TV shows and films, including Breaking Bad. You also have a really out-of-character casting of Wilford Brimley, who does actually a a really great job playing the sleazy character. It's not one that you typically associate with Wilford Brimley. So we'll cover all of that as we talk about the film. The film was directed by Sidney Pollack, uh, the late, great director, and he... He really had an incredible resume of films. I believe he directed Out of Africa. He directed a really underrated remake of the film Sabrina. And he also directed The Firm as well as several other films. He also appeared in several films, including he had a small role, if I remember, in the um, legal drama, other legal drama, A Civil Action, which is actually based off of a a book and a real-life case. But this is an, a true ensemble cast. And the, the basic plot of the firm is that Tom Cruise uh, plays a poor law student who's, who's at the top. He is, he's a brilliant law student at Harvard Law. And the film opens up with him in his final semester as he's being recruited by some of the best law firms in the country from all over the country. In fact, there's a great montage of Tom Cruise's character, Mitch McDeer, interviewing with firms and just being offered, uh, you know, these uh, these incredibly high salaries to start, at least for the 1990s. Uh, you know, by today's standards, uh, you know, you might they might not seem very high, but back for 1993, the salaries that he was being quoted were exceptionally high. And um, he ends up choosing a small law firm in Memphis. And and there's a great scene in which he's interviewing with the partners, including Hal Holbrook and Jerry Hardin, who are these great, like these great character actors, these older character actors who've been around for a long time. And it was wonderful to see them in these roles. And I love the way they played this out in which 
they give him the offer letter and they and Mitch McDear asks, should I open it? And they say, yeah, sure, you can, but a lawyer worth that amount should know what's already in it. So Tom Cruise's character, he he goes into this, you know, just like half joking uh, direct examination of one of the associates there to figure out what the offer is. And it's actually a really great scene uh, to kick off the film. And then he ends up accepting. And his wife, played by Gene Triplehorn, uh, they end up moving from Boston to Memphis to start their whole life together. And the firm is just basically rolling out the red carpet, throwing all sorts of, not just a, a salary, but a new home. They lease his new Mercedes. The whole nine yards are really seducing uh, Mitch as this new recruit. And what's interesting is that what I like about this is that it's Tom Cruise's character is not in the prototypical practice that you see in many films and television. He's not really a litigator. So he's not doing the traditional civil litigation or criminal litigation, which is so prevalent in so many legal dramas. He's in tax law. And how often do you ever see a legal thriller based around a tax lawyer? And that's actually one of the cool aspects of this film is that they really utilize that as part of the plot. Well, as Tom Cruise's character is getting into the firm and he's studying for the bar exam as well as starting his first day of, at work, he, he's mentored by a an older attorney, Gene Hackman, in a great performance there. And they have this great chemistry as his mentor-mentee relationship. And as Tom Cruise is getting to know the firm, he starts to see that things are not quite what they appear to be. And throughout, he starts to see suspicious aspects about the firm, including attorneys who have been killed and all sorts of just really, really... um, uh, nefarious little things that are out of place. And so he gets caught up and then it turns out that uh, the the firm is tied up in organized crime. And so then he starts negotiating or is approached by the uh, by the FBI and and, and that's represented mostly by Ed Harris, who, who does a great job playing this FBI agent who's trying to convince Tom Cruise's character, to turn over evidence about the firm. So Mitch is in this situation in which he has to decide whether or not to turn over evidence to the FBI and risk getting disbarred and losing his entire career really before he gets started and navigating being in this firm, which is a, ends up really being a very dangerous place because it has connections to organized crime. And so it's really a cat and mouse story. There's a lot of intrigue and there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of action and it's all handled very well. It's very confidently directed by Sidney Pollack and uh, it, it's it's just a great fun movie. I mean, it, it keeps your attention from beginning to end. All of the performances are really well done. In particular, some really out of character casting to see Wilford Brimley. Now, if you don't know who Wilford Brimley is, just you can find him on YouTube. He's he he played a lot of grandfatherly roles, and uh, he's also known for um, doing commercials for oatmeal and things like that. So to see him cast in this role here, in which he plays 
the security chief for the law firm, and he's really sleazy. I mean, there's a scene where where he basically corners Tom Cruise's character with some blackmail material, and he is just so, so evil. And to see that, I remember when we all went to see that, it was so jarring. <laughs> it was it was like it was like wow. I I never knew he could play such an evil character because he is so typically known for for films like Cocoon or TV shows in which he plays a very grandfatherly character. So to see him play this was actually really a stroke of genius. It's something I didn't come to appreciate until uh, later on. So there's a lot of intrigue. There's a lot of action in this film, and. Uh, I will say, just to wrap it up, I give this a solid four out of five stars. I'll break down what I think of the good and, and the bad. In terms of the good, it's a, it's a pot boiler. It's great action, it's very slick adaptation of John Grisham's novel. Uh, and uh, if you've ever read the novel, I think you will enjoy the film. I will share a little bit more about that when I get to point three. Number two, uh, wonderful just cast, just a wonderful ensemble cast, accented by an incredible soundtrack by Dave Grusin. Now, Dave Grusin is a jazz pianist, and that's something that's very unique about this film is that most of the score is actually jazz piano, just jazz piano without any accompanying instruments. I actually have the soundtrack on CD, and I listen to it every now and then. It's really, really, really catchy. So that's it's one of those that will stick with you, especially if you like jazz. Uh, but wonderful cast, wonderful ensemble. And the locations, the cinematography, everything is just very well, uh, well constructed. And point number three, I thought it was a very satisfying ending. Now, I will say this. When I first read the book, the movie and the book have some major differences in, in terms of the ending. I'm not going to give away what it is. When I first saw the movie... I hated the ending. I said, wait a minute, this is not what happens in the book. But then upon subsequent viewings, I've come to appreciate the ending much more. And in fact, I actually think that the film ending is better than the novel. And it took a lot of time and rewatching and reflecting on this. The novel has probably what is a more realistic ending but it's also an ending that's not entirely satisfying, whereas the film has what would be considered a happy ending, but I think it earns it. It earns it. It gets there through a very, very clever plot device and through the ingenuity of the characters. It's very credible, even though you're suspending your disbelief, even though there are parts of it that stretch the bounds of reality. It's credible for the story that they they set up. All right, in terms of the the bad, that's my only criticism. There's certain things that are a bit of a stretch uh, in terms of its realism, but you don't watch a film like this for its realism. It's it's escapist thriller fantasy. It's well done in that respect, and I think you will enjoy this film. All right, let's turn our attention to 1997's The Rainmaker. Also based on a novel by John Grisham, this one is a very different film, but also in the legal thriller genre. This one stars Matt Damon, uh, Claire Danes, Danny DeVito. You've got John Voight, Danny Glover, with also a great supporting cast. You've got Mary Kay Place, Virginia Madsen, Dean Stockwell, and a really quirky role by Mickey Rourke, who, for such a small role, he actually does a, a, a pretty good job. 
uh, playing a very sleazy lawyer. This movie is notable because it is directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who is, of course, forever famous for the Godfather films. And this is one of the rare movies that he directed post-Godfather in the 1990s. And so he didn't direct a whole lot of films after Godfather 3. He was basically semi-retired, I think. And The Rainmaker is one of the films that he actually uh, came out of semi-retirement or, or chose to direct. And uh, I, it, it was one of those, when I first heard it, I was like, what? The director of The Godfather is directing this film? But he does a fantastic job with it. And there are so many different moving parts that in some ways it does remind you a little bit of a Godfather film. So what is this movie about? Uh, Matt Damon... Uh, plays Rudy Baylor. He's also, like uh, Tom Cruise's character, a poor law student who's graduating law school. But unlike Tom Cruise's character who's graduating from the best law school in the country, Matt Damon's character, Rudy Baylor, is graduating from a state school. And unlike uh, Mitch McDear, who's being courted by all these law firms, Rudy Baylor is just trying to find a job. He's trying to study for the bar. He's trying to find a job. And the only job he can get is with this shady uh, ambulance-chasing law firm that's, uh, I mean, I use the word law firm loosely by Mickey Rourke, and uh, he is partnered up with uh, a, an associate, a quote-unquote associate of the firm, uh, played wonderfully by Danny DeVito. He plays a character named Dex Shefflett, who's supposed to be an attorney but has not yet passed the bar. He's taken it several times, so he's more like, a paralegal who really knows his way around a courtroom. And has, in fact, as, as he shares in the beginning of the film, he's made a couple of court appearances and there's a shock. And you'd see the expression on Rudy, Rudy Baylor's face where he says, wait a minute, how can you be appearing in court when you don't have a license? And Dak Shefflett said, well, there's so many lawyers in Memphis that you really can't keep track. So it's just really, really funny. It's quirky. And of course, it, it really plays on a lot of the lawyer joke tropes. Uh, but the basic plot is that uh, Rudy Baylor, he, through a clinic that he was involved in in law school, he inherits uh, two clients where he basically attracts two clients. One is a uh, widower. And um, he's entrusted to handle her will. So that's kind of a side plot. But the main plot is um, this lawsuit against an insurance company. And uh, the mother of the insured, played by Mary Kay, wonderful performance by Mary Kay Place, she purchases a health insurance policy and her son uh, ends up um, being afflicted with cancer. And the insurance company is just denying medical coverage. So it's basically a David versus Goliath litigation case. So uh, Rudy decides to sue this um, uh, insurance company and, and the insurance company has all this money and they're represented by a big firm that's headed up by John Voigt. So it's really that David and Goliath situation. Meanwhile, uh, Rudy has to study for the bar, and he's also dealing with the fact that uh, the firm run by Mickey Rourke's character is is basically under investigation for all sorts of shady uh, criminal activity, and ends up get, uh, ends up getting shut down within the first, I, I think, first quarter of the film. And so, uh, Rudy and Deck 
basically break away. They take their two clients with them and they open up, they hang their own shingle. So basically Rudy is a solo practitioner going up against this big law firm and uh, wonderful supporting cast. I mean, really, I you've got Claire Danes who plays uh, the love interest and she's in an abusive relationship and um, Rudy meets her at the hospital. You've got uh, John Voight does a really fantastic job playing opposing counsel and you just really can't stand him because he's such a stuffy, arrogant lawyer who really looks down on Rudy. Danny Glover and Dean Stockwell actually play the judges in this case. So Dean Stockwell is the first judge and he's just so in the pocket of the the defense. And then later through some very interesting circumstances, Danny Glover ends up becoming the judge on the case. So I'll let you discover that in the film. And he does a great job in this. And you've got supporting cast like Virginia Madsen and Roy Scheider, the late Roy Scheider, uh, really amazing actors in both these films that round out a great ensemble. And, um, one of the things that really stands about, out about The Rainmaker, especially if you are a law student, if you're a law student where you're about to go to law school, I do recommend both, both films. But in particular, The Rainmaker is one of the most technically uh, accurate films when it comes to litigation, civil procedure, rules of procedure, rules of evidence. It gets really into the technical nuances of what happens in a courtroom. And it is a great, great uh, dramatization. And of course, there are some elements that are fictionalized, but for the most part, it's a, a lot of it is very accurate in terms of what actually happens in a court case. So if you really want to see a, a, a thrilling drama, but also some of the more technical aspects of what happens when two lawyers go up against each other and, and the stakes are massive, I think this is a great film to watch for that. So let me break it down. I'm going to give this film, The Rainmaker, I give it a four and a half out of five. It is a near perfect film. I really love this one. Uh, the good, engaging, intricate plot, well-crafted, well-directed. Of course, it's it's directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and he like a master chef is spinning all these storylines, all these different complicated elements that weave together, much like he did with The Godfather. He does so with utter confidence in The Rainmaker. Uh, like The Firm, I love the soundtrack. I actually didn't come to appreciate The Rainmaker soundtrack until uh, subsequent viewings, but it's got a very bluesy soundtrack, which uh, gives it almost like a almost sounds like a, a detective film, uh, like a noir detective film, but it fits in terms of the the, the legal plot, the legal thriller, uh, and and how Rudy uncovers uh, the you know what's happening with this particular case. And of course, number three, as I mentioned, it is a technically well-made legal thriller. You will learn a lot about civil procedure and evidence, but not in a boring way. It's not, if you're not a lawyer or, you know, you're not really into what happens in a, in, in a litigation case, uh, you will still be intrigued, I think, by learning about the little nuances of the rules of civil procedure and evidence. It's presented in a way and interwoven into the plot such that it is really, you are, you can feel the stakes 
when there's an objection or something is overruled or when the lawyers are fighting over a piece of evidence or the appearance of a witness, even the aftermath of the case. There's some very interesting realistic aspects in terms of uh, you know, a, a verdict and damages and post-trial, all of that type of stuff, I think, is well represented in this in this film. So, in terms of legal thrillers, this is probably one of the most accurate that you can you can watch. I would put it up there with uh, two other films that um, I think are also great ones to watch if you want to understand some of the technical nuances of the law, the verdict, and and ironically, My Cousin Vinny, which a lot of people just see as a really funny comedy, both of those films actually go into a lot of the technical legal rules of uh, what happens in a courtroom. So uh, although I'm not going to talk about those films for the film series, I will also say that The Verdict and My Cousin Vinny are also worth your time as well if you enjoy legal thrillers. And again, uh, they're all part of that era when legal thrillers were kind of the big thing like the verdict I think came out in the early 80s and then my cousin Vinny was part of the uh, I think late 80s were early 90s so again this was an era when legal thrillers were all the thrill all right getting back to the rainmaker is there any negatives or criticisms some of the plot is very convenient in terms of the twists and turns uh, such that um, there there are points in which Rudy Baylor is really up against these what seemingly insurmountable odds. And then there are times where it feels like he's a little bit luck. Luck is definitely playing a part in how he's able to handle some of this, but that's a minor criticism. It's not so much that it's going to take you out of the film or make you roll your eyes. It's just that you will, you may notice that as you're watching the film, but it is a minor criticism. It certainly does not take away from the, the suspense or feeling the stakes of what's happening with these characters. I will add one more thing. I do have a wish list for The Rainmaker. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of John Grisham books were adapted for screen, including uh, The Pelican Brief, um, The Client, and one of those uh, films actually had a television spinoff. The the Client was actually adapted into a television series uh, continuing on the storyline from the characters. I wish they had done either a sequel or a series with Danny DeVito's character, Dex Shefflet. Because if you watch The Rainmaker, he practically steals the entire film. Now, everyone was great. Rudy Baylor is the main character. But I think there was potentially a great follow-up with Dex Shefflet. I mean, he's this guy who's not been able to pass the bar and yet knows his way around a courtroom, knows his way around the the seedy back rooms and, and all of that type of stuff. He knows the ins and outs of litigation and dealing with insurance companies. His character, I think, is one of the most fascinating because he really is a likable anti-hero. In many ways, Danny DeVito's character is an anti-hero, but he's also very likable. And I think they could have done something very interesting developing an entire movie or spinoff series based off of his character. So that's my wish list. You can catch both The Rainmaker and The Firm on HBO Max. I believe actually The Pelican Brief, which 
uh, admittedly, I've only seen once, but is also based on a John Grisham novel. And I remember it being a, a fairly good film. I'll have to revisit that one. I've only seen it one time for I'm not sure exactly why, but uh, those are playing on HBO Max right now. So if you have, if you have HBO Max, you can catch both The Firm and The Rainmaker. The write-up for episode 392 will be at bemovingforward.com. Hope you have a great weekend, and I'll be back next week. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider leaving a rating and review. It helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and bemovingforward.com. All rights reserved.